1: The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: The Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. Several years ago, soon seven, I have been on the air with World Talk Radio, Voice America, and now Apple iTunes, and anyone listening, always remember you can listen to it on, with, on your Apple iTunes, too. And I have a lot of people tell me that they're listening on the Apple iTunes uh, 2s. But I wanted you to know the reason I chose, with my background in research, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, and I wanted to study the importance of the life in the water that is so vital to your everyday living that I felt like at the time, many years ago, I determined with a lot of study and evaluation, we left the water behind the fresh water behind and our research and healing and in better health every day and the knowledge. And in other words, when the baby is born into that delivery room, that moment, you left a pocket of water. You didn't come from the desert sand. You came from a pocket of water. You entered into the area you're living in called humidity, moisture in the air, and that's all you had unless you started drinking t- water. And even I've had people on the show when they didn't give the baby anything but formula or mother's milk for the first couple of months or three months, no water. And I don't agree with that with my background in studying. I think that, and I've been at this a long time, I put millions of dollars behind the evaluation that water for life on Earth is vital. And as we were listening to the astronauts recently that Neil Cavuto on Fox had a wonderful special on with the astronauts and what they've achieved and what their knowledge is and their dedication and their commitment to studying the universe, one of the astronauts said, when you're up on that moon and you're looking at Earth, all of a sudden you realize there is a power greater than all of us, God. And that power is is the difference between living on the earth and going off to the moon to look at all this, the, the slow motion of the universe. And then you're looking at the earth we're living on, that out of, out of all the life on earth, you couldn't be living here without water. And that power of that universe is the water. And many of us call that a God's power, God in the water's life. And the thing about it is you've got to realize that if you have anything going wrong with your health, are you drinking enough water? You have 50 trillion cells in your body, and each cell has a molecule. And and we've had on our show a Nobel Prize winner that proved without a doubt there's water in that molecule. So if you have 50 trillion cells and all those molecules, like little orbits, you better drink water during the day. And if you don't like it, figure out a way to like it, but don't add anything to it to get your absorption. You need fresh water in you. The other thing is that we forgot is Earth needs to have fresh water. And out of all the water on Earth, 3% is fresh and only 1% is usable. Now, we've got to start seriously studying that, all of us. And we've had many people from all over the world on the show that have been studying what is happening here. But we have a dehydration in our body happening. And that's your symptoms. That's your life to passing away. So always remember, this show is dedicated to that subject, dehydration of your body and reminding you to every time you listen to us or you're out there running around, don't go to the darn energy drink. Go to fresh water to drink with nothing added in it. Fresh water, eight to ten glasses a day. It's vital to your everyday. Good nutrition. You're learning more about that on this show. You're learning how to sleep. Don't just take it naturally. Learn how to sleep. What is your secret to sleep? So you'll be healthier. Our outlook on life is our mind, our brain. Did you know that the eyes are connected to the brain and the womb at the same moment? So your vision of your eyes with that eyelid open, the eye is not covered by the skin when the eyelid is open. And the eyes are 98% water. So remember the body is water. And I'm going to remind you again. Men are 60 to 75% water. Women are 55 to 65% water. A newborn baby is 75% water. Lean muscles are 75% water, brain is 80% water, tears are 98% water, skin is 68% water, and I could go on and on and on and on. Your body fluids are 75 to 98% water. So always remember those 50 trillion cells. If you've got a complaint about your health and you haven't been taking very good care of yourself, Stop and think about what you need to do. If you're not feeling very good, have some hot water with lemon and honey. That'll help. It'll decongest your lungs. Take a bath. Baths are detoxifying. Showers rinse you. A bath was there intentionally to detoxify. Open the cells of the skin and pull that toxin out. And I've been very blunt on this show. I call that manure coming out. If it backs up, it causes more toxin, causes more heat. To the cell, you've got to detoxify that. You've got to increase your digestion and you've got to make sure that you're eating the proper foods to be able to digest. Now, today we have an exciting guest, and I was really looking forward to this because it's a sign of the times, and all over the world, we're all talking about our money, our investments. And trying to get out there in the world and do something other than just sit on a tech couch. We've all been busy. You've been busy all your lives. And um, stop and think about how your where your money is going. Jerry Robinson is the author and founder of of uh, the bankruptcy of our nation. And you've probably been hearing a lot about it because it's a book that's talking about the crisis that's going on. But what I liked what he's going to do today. We're going to get to hear it down to earth on the layman terms what is the actual vocabulary so you will learn what is happening through his evaluations and studies we're going to listen to our sponsor first nature's tears eye mist with just a mist 100 percent tissue culture grade water to supplement the eyes to supplement that 98 percent water on the surface of your eye did you know that that eye it, it can have vision impairment if you become too dehydrated. And by two thousand thirty, they expect about estimated thirty-five million people to be blind. Let's do something about it. Let's nutri- give a nutrition of supplement of nature's tears eye miss with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll come back with Jerry Robinson. <laughs>
1: listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now back to the program.
2: Jerry, are you with us? I am. Well thank you for joining us. Uh, before we begin to discuss the subject that we're going to be discussing about today, the bankruptcy of our nation, tell us a little bit about you, Jerry. I know you're well, sitting, sure, are you yeah, sitting in you. Arkansas today? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, I've been to Arkansas a few times with program. Walmart at Bentonville.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah And I've had your hush puppies and your
2: catfish, thanks to the, some of the executives at Walmart.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the program. I, I do appreciate the invite, and I look forward to sharing some things. But background-wise, uh, I'm a I'm, uh, a very happy married man. I have a beautiful newborn son. Oh,
2: congratulations. Uh,
3: thank you. And I am an economist by trade. Uh, wrote a book back in 2008 called The Bankruptcy of Our Nation, and then it got revised and updated in 2012. The publisher said, okay, you know, these numbers are like nailing jello to the wall here. we got to keep them updated. And so we updated the book, and we put a lot of solutions into the book that people need to know. I, I think many times we can get overwhelmed with the problem. And so this book and our message is very solution-oriented, and that's really what I'm all about, education and teaching mm-hmm. people how to overcome adversity, especially economic adversity.
2: Now, what, what, why did you start getting involved? And in, uh, was it after your education you received and you found uh, that there was something there that was needed to be better explained? about what's happening. Yeah, and
3: it was interesting. Whenever I went off to the university, my two subjects of choice were theology and economics, kind of the old uh, you can't serve God and money. But I, I always saw a, an, an interesting crux between the two. I always saw that there was something about that intersection between money and God that uh, really just I had a great interest in. And so as I dug deeper into it, I began to see that money truly is really a test of our hearts for those of you who you know for those of listeners who have a spiritual bent you know they can certainly testify to the fact that money does have some sort of power um, even though it's amoral uh, it's not good it's not bad nevertheless it does have uh, a very strong power uh, about it and so we well you're money. right
2: Jerry it's, uh, I've been yeah. in the business world since my 20s and I'm 71 I I will tell you I as an investor, as a person who built a company, doing what I'm doing, put the millions into the directions I had my mission statement. it's to did you hear what I was talking about, the astronaut that we had on? And he said, did, you probably yeah. heard him say uh, he was the last one to be on the moon. And he said, when you're sitting there on the moon and you're looking at the power of this universe, there ha- there's the God, and the power of that is there. And uh, anybody who wants to question it, it's just go to the moon and take a look at the universe we're living in. Now, sure. money has uh, always been, since the beginning of time, an achievement or a fi- something that's uh, an achievement that something is uh, to be admired. And making money and being successful go together. It's so true. And uh, But back to you and what you're doing. Um, now, I'm finding in what I do, Jerry... Um, a lot of times, people don't understand. We have all this communication, uh, business, cha- uh, b- b- uh, the Bloomberg Channel, all these cha- things go out. Read the Wall Street Journal, all these books, magazines, and galore uh, on learning what the description of the vocabulary of the business. Where do you think people are not? I don't think people really understand what the business is.
3: Well. And I mean, really the the issue at hand, it's you know, business, you know, is notoriously complex. I mean, the way that we have built business and technological advancements, and of course the federal Reserve and the and the way we have our economics and the banking system, you know it's it can be very intimidating to the average Joe, you know, who's just trying to make a buck and trying to save a buck. And uh, I think, One of the most important things for people to do is to understand the very basic root of our system, and that is that we live in a debt-based monetary system. That is the root of what our problems are. So right now, for example, whenever a person listening here, they go to work, they work for a piece of paper known as a dollar bill. And that dollar used to be backed up by something which meant that it was kept in limited supply but today it's not backed up by anything and therefore it can be printed into an unlimited supply now that may not seem to make a whole lot of sense or why that even matters but yeah. Explain be,
2: that real quickly. So the invest. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah. The reason investor, that that
3: matters, and we can use a real quick illustration. Do that. If you and I ended up on an island, for example, we were <laughs> stranded, and you had five golf balls, and I had five golf balls because we were going to play golf, and we got stranded on this island, we would use these five golf balls each as our currency, and therefore nothing on the island could cost more than five golf balls because we each only have five. So. What happens is, imagine in that same scenario that out of the sky a helicopter drops a box and it's filled with golf balls, one million count. Instantly, the price of everything goes up. Now, we may look at that, the price of things going up, and say, oh, look, we're prosperous, or oh, look, we're blessed, or oh, look, we have more money, or oh, look, I got a raise, or oh, look, you know, that my house is worth more. But in reality, none of that happened. Nothing is more inherently valuable than it was five minutes ago. But instead, mm-hmm. the amount of money in the system, the amount of golf balls in our case, went up. And because of that, everything else can go up as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, going back to, uh, you know, I'm a believer, Jerry, and I hope you'll support me on this, and I hope the listeners will know I've studied this. It's why isn't it we can't encourage well, i wish there was a special channel on on cable television that gave a chance for people of all walks of life to go in and learn how to discuss their home business their life business the company they might work with and understand the business the business of the united states government the government business that's supposed to be there not in they're not they're not in the business they have in the government is a business to make sure that our investment in them, employing them, is is, is, finan- is secure. Our infrastructure is secure. Nobody ever asked them to go out and invest in the business of being venture capitalists. We on the ground here, uh, all of us, are in the business, each home, each person, to go out and, and prosper by trying to make ends meet with like a business plan. And, Jerry, you'd be shocked how many people don't even understand. The business plan drives your life, not the life drives the business plan. Do you agree with me?
3: Oh, of course.
2: Of course. And a yeah, lot of and... people don't understand. They seem to think, well, if I go in debt, it's kind of like going, maybe it's because we have more casinos and lottery in each state then we have people thinking about, how to figure out how their ends can meet inside their home, and they're taking a lots of gambles, Jerry. The well, risk they're taking, they call it risk. I'm going to call it gambling.
3: Well, it's one of the one of the topics that we actually hit pretty hard on is the idea. Many times you hear this um, regarding small business or regarding becoming an entrepreneur, and the phrase is "follow your passion." And while that sounds cute and sounds nice and sounds wonderful, it's actually not typically the best way to go. The, the, the best way to actually create wealth, you know, in our current environment is, in a, and I think in almost any environment, is to create value. Wealth creation equals value creation.
2: Now, and you, you can cre- say something. Let me interrupt you real quickly. Yeah. Um, that just, I'm to say it right there, what you said. Intellectual property values. Do you understand intellectual property values, what that is? Oh, sure. Okay, Jerry, you'd be shocked. How many people don't? Um, our country was... Of course, Switzerland is the capital of the world of understanding intellectual property values, but maybe they were the founders. But then after World War II, our country decided intellectual property values in the United Nations, and now we have in Chicago an intellectual property value exchange. When people start looking at the intellectual side of their values, of what they're trying to achieve and put it on paper, and what they're trying, each family. And I'm going to say, Jerry, as we're talking today, each family, if you go to work every day and you bring home a coin or you bring home a public assistance, assistance, you're in business to figure out how to manage it. You're in business. Did you follow me, Jerry? It's a business.
3: Oh, and yeah. if people I mean, would
2: start looking at themselves. There would be less families going under, less bankruptcy happening, and the challenge that people would start looking at the intellectual property value side of them. It's not the land. It's not the building. It's what they've been achieving. To give them the ability to become home free and have a little bit of money left at, oh, in the jar that they haven't invested yet, that they're ready for a rainy day, and, and that I came for—that's my era, Jerry, of talking. But your bankruptcy of a nation—what happened to us? In my well, evaluation, what, what, and I what want to hear was... yours, is you know, we what got happened
3: was, just was that we, money, we
2: got Money and going into debt and going into debt and going into debt, that going into debt is the only way to make money and get out of it is wrong.
3: Well, and we became a nation of consumers along the way. Our specialty, the number one export of the United States of America is the dollar. And that's unfortunate, but that's the case. And also the number one specialty of Americans is consumption. So we don't produce like we used to. In fact, uh, I was sitting at my desk, oh, it was been, it's been years ago, and uh, I had this epiphany or this moment whenever I began to look around and I was trying to find something in my house that I had made. Everything that I saw, the glass in front of me full of you know water, the computer sitting in front of me, the pens on the desk, the desk itself, the chair I was sitting in, I could find nothing in the whole entire house that I had, had made. I went to the kitchen, looked through So we have become, you know, our definition of success in America is how much of my production can I outsource? You know, if you're successful in this country, you don't do your nails, you don't mow your lawn, you don't clean your car, you don't, you know, paint your house, you don't make your food, you don't make your clothes, you don't don't do anything. And because of that, and because of that mentality and, and that psychology that drives that, what you have is a nation full of slaves. Who now go to jobs that they hate, get on the treadmill, and try to buy or try to get enough money so that they can outsource all of their production. When in fact, this is a new phenomenon that only enriches producers, and the producers are the ones who create value.
2: Right. Yeah. uh, Now, in your bankruptcy of our nation, what have you been learning about the nation as a whole? Here in America, I'm talking.
3: The, the the nation is bankrupt. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, w- we had a um we we had uh when the book first came out, we wanted to, to title the book "Bankruptcy of America." And the publisher, this is back in 2008, before the crisis really unfolded. And they said, "Oh no no no, you know, no, no one will buy that. That's that's too doomsayer." Well, you know, now all of a sudden, I mean, that's what they called a the bankruptcy of our nation. They didn't want to use the word America and bankruptcy in the same phrase. And back then the idea was you know that I was prophesying something or I was you know saying that something was going to happen no back in 2008 we were bankrupt just like we are today anytime you have a nation that has one hundred and twenty trillion dollars in future obligations and it has zero dollars in the bank to pay for those that's bankrupt so our nation is bankrupt Um, our banking system is bankrupt Uh, right now if you were to go down to the bank and you were to take out all of the money that you've deposited, you'd be fine. But if you and every other customer of that bank went to the bank and said, we all want our money right now, all of you would get five cents on the dollar, because that is the law. Banks don't have to keep more than five cents on the dollar for every deposit. Therefore, our banks are bankrupt. So we have a to and of course, Jerry, most people... Stop there
2: for just a second. I'm a typical radio- I think you're a radio talk show. Don't you have a radio talk show, too? I do. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know about you, and your, I, I have a tendency to do what a lot of us do. I interrupt. <laughs> so, excuse me. No, go me. right ahead. Uh, what I'm doing is here is I want to ask you okay, um, back to the banks, because it's been a big topic since the, the, um, this 2008 thing happened. Banks are being run by the feds. Now, do you blame the bank? And the way it's operating away from the Fed, or do you blame the Fed or the combination of both of them being in business together? Well, the, the, the Fed is the I'm enabler.
3: Sorry. The Fed is the Federal Reserve is the enabler. Uh, they're the ones who make it possible. Um, so you know, ultimately, they're the ones to blame. But the banks are simply rational uh, institutions that are moving according to their own incentives. So they have an incentive to take advantage of what the Fed is providing and so ultimately the Fed is the one that needs to change banking, now,
2: now let's go on that to our inner audience so I might understand explain the Federal Reserve uh, you know I have a Jerry it's so interesting because have you ever listened to something so commonly and and then all of a sudden you're talking to somebody and you think that they understand what you're saying, and all of a sudden they're nodding their head, and then all of a sudden you found out a year later they didn't understand what you were saying. Oh, sure. <laughs> they were just nodding their head. And explain to the audience what your description of the Federal Reserve is.
3: Well, the Federal it's Reserve, your background. Uh, uh, quite frankly, I mean, this may be crass, it may be crude, but the Federal Reserve at its most basic level is a leech, and what I mean by that is that it is a leech in the form of a bank that loans money to the federal government. You know, if you're a bank, let's say that, you're, that you decide to strike out on your own and open up a bank. You know, instead of opening up a hamburger stand, you're going to open up a bank. Well, what kind of customer do you want? Do you, do you want the small business owner or do you want the family who's just uh, you know, got a few bucks? You want the business owner because you can make a bigger loan to him. Now, do you want the business owner or do you want a major corporation as your client? Well, you would prefer the major corporation because it's more money. Finally, would you prefer the major corporation or would you prefer the government as your client as a banker? You would prefer the government. Why? Because the government has taxing power. They can tax and confiscate and take, and there's no questions asked.
2: Well, I'm going to say something there real quickly and we can go forward. I believe the government's like a co-op Membership, like you belong to Costco or you belong to these different co ops. Your, your utility, you're paying a payment each month towards that to be hooked up. And uh, to, to, uh, we're all paying the government as a member of a society culture in our country, so they get something from almost all of us. There's some they don't. But I guess if you buy gas, you are. If you're in a a state where there's a sales tax, you are. So we, the people, are giving our membership a payment toward – and and they say a lot of people are not paying. If you buy gas, you're paying. If you're on a utility, you're paying. People are paying tax. Uh, They they don't realize how much money they're paying to the government – Every time they go in and buy gas, there's some of these things that are hidden. You forgot that there was tax on them.
3: Well, the Federal Reserve is, in essence, all it really is is a central bank that loans money to the federal government whenever the federal government needs it or whenever the federal government requests it. And because of that, the central bank requires that the federal government be able to exact taxes from the people. That's their that, that's how they are certain that they'll get paid get back. Get it from that's the there. membership.
2: <laughs> back to mine. Yeah, story. I mean,
3: the, the taxes, bec- the, the taxing uh, capability becomes the, the leverage or becomes the collateral, so to speak. Yeah, uh, it is. Or that's the loan why they owned.
2: want to raise taxes.
3: And so the Federal Reserve, when it, whenever it loans money to the federal government, it has to pay that. The federal government has to pay back the Federal Reserve at an interest rate. And who sets the interest rate but the Federal Reserve? Right. So the Federal Reserve prints money, has money printed. It actually has their name printed right there on the front. It used to say silver certificate back in the 1920s. Today it says Federal Reserve Note. Very interesting about that phrase because if I said, oh, you have a car note, you would say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means I have a car loan. Well, when you read a dollar bill, it says Federal Reserve Note. What does that mean? Well, it means it's a Federal Reserve loan. What does that mean? it means the Federal Reserve printed it, lent it to the government, who then put it in the circulation.
2: And it's emphasized, loaned it to the government.
3: They did. So every single Loan. dollar bill that's in existence, every single dollar bill in existence.
2: Have to be paid is, back someday.
3: Is owed back to the Federal Reserve, yeah. their, and plus interest. And that's, that's the kicker. That's why we're bankrupt. Because if the Federal Reserve creates all of the money in the system, which they do, then how do you get the interest to pay them back? That's right. You have to borrow the interest. So it's a ne- it's a perfect setup for the Federal Reserve. They only create the principal. They don't create the interest. Therefore, bankruptcies, foreclosures, all of this are inherent in the domino system. effect. It has to exist because you no one, It's impossible for everybody to win whenever the interest doesn't exist.
2: Jerry, so I'm going to ask you the right principles. there. Uh, something went through my mind. What is your evaluate? Why do you think all these people are moving to America all these years, besides the fact that they'd like to have a more free society? But why do you think they're moving to America all these years? Well, I see
3: a lot of people moving out of America. In fact, Well, the they're going to start, on, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I right. saw, I mean, I talked to a guy on my radio show last week who, you know, just up and left from uh, his business in Texas and moved down to New Zealand, and he said, you know, down here, uh, cops don't carry guns. He says, that I don't have to go through porno scanners to get on a plane. He said, I, all of the, I mean, he said, it's just, you, know, you don't realize how uh, difficult and tense and uh, enslaved the American population is until you get away from it and live in a free country.
2: Well, where I was going with it was my husband's from Holland, and his family moved here long ago, like a lot of families move for a better, They they work hard. They don't want to pay the government 80% of their wages. And that's right. what happens in most of these countries. The people go to work to pay the government. They're hardly coming home with anything in gen- after generations have gone by. So what I'm saying is that what we're saying here is, is an evaluation. Of people don't realize, Jerry, they, a lot of the immigrants that have come here know they came here to work hard, and they work hard and they there's they're dedicated their their philosophy and their outlook on life is working hard there's it's their way of living and they want to get ahead so they don't ha- and they didn't think they were going to come to a society that the government would be taking all of their of hard work and then they get to live lav- lavishly those employed in the government as far as your senators your congressmen your president and more uh, flying uh, all these um, unbel- watching these uh, vacations that are absolutely extravagant when people are down on the streets maybe don't have a job having to take public assistance for the first time in their life to get by or an immigrant that found out they're no longer they're going to not be they ran from a, a, a culture of where the government took it all and they watched it and they sought many of them for generations they came to a better place and now it's doing it also they're going to take they'll probably end up taking 80% of their income a month before it's all done, Jerry. What do you think about that?
3: Well, that's true, and and I think I don't
2: want to put words in your mouth, but...
3: Yeah, well, it's important to note that, you know, right now, and and this this isn't debatable, but some people would probably find it to be unbelievable, is the fact that tax rates are historically low right now compared to where they can go. And, And you're exactly right. I believe that the only way for the government to resolve this is either a to cut spending or B to you know raise taxes and what's your feeling that...
2: about you know we're talking about a, a, a country now a bankrupt country that's over borrowed over spent and to some we're finding out that they've invested in things that don't shouldn't be invested in right now have you ever noticed Jerry where a lot of the publicly held companies they let people go only when They won't get any investment from investors if they don't cut some um, expenses. They've got to cut expenses. That's the only reason the stock goes up. Have you ever noticed the stock goes up when when companies have let go some employees because they've cut expenses? Well, our country, the government, isn't cutting any expenses at all.
3: Well, that's exactly what the uh, conservatives said that they were going to do, and they don't. And that's exactly what, the, what they say that the, the, uh, the, you know, the other side of the aisle is guilty of, and of course they are. So it's one of those things where th- there does seem to be in our minds this idea that there is a good guy and a bad guy in Washington. But what happens is eventually you wake up and you realize there is no good guy in Washington. They all have the same goal. They say they want to cut spending. Well, you know what, we're going to take a
2: moment, we're going to take a moment break and I'm going to come back, but you know, you just hit on a subject there. What is a good guy? What is a bad guy? And what is a person who's dedicated to love their country so much that want to have a business plan that has the country last forever and not diminish? Uh, we're a young country. We're not very old compared to the rest of the world. Do we have to be, to find out the hard way, like other countries learned in their historical many, many decades and centuries of past, do we have to go through that, Jerry, to learn the hard way that this country has to be, figure out to be a successful country, to have a wonderful, safe infrastructure, that we've got to start looking at ourselves, who is the bad guy, who is the good guy? And uh, hang on, Jerry. I know you know what I need to ha- I'm having a sponsor come on, and we'll talk about that with your background and your expertise. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know when that eye drop touches the tear film? It causes a dehydration? Did you know that the surface of your eye is 99 percent nature's water? What is, what is the vision uh, strength and health? Your water. At the surface of the eyes, it's very important to you. Nature Sears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. We'll listen to that and we'll be right back with Jerry Robinson.
0: All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen.
1: The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. To the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at yahoo.com. That's Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Jerry, this good guy, bad guy thing, you know, uh, I look at it kind of and follow me for a second. Do you, do you believe that what has happened in our country, that our politicians, let's call them, and I, it's sad to say that, but the people we've hired and elected to represent to our company, country, called 50 states, I call them 50 little countries, are all, after, they're, they have never stopped running for the next election?
3: Oh, of course. I mean, that's, and you can't blame them. Um, it's, it's one of those things where... Well, you know, our society
2: is... Yes, you're right. You can't blame it. Our, our mass society in our country is expecting them to always be public relations campaigning running to win their vote.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The only, In fact, it's. I would even venture to say, and I've said it before, that the only incentive for a politician in America is re-election. They really have no other incentive.
2: And see, Jerry... There's where I hope everybody I, I, you know and I hope your listeners and everybody out there stop and think about something we, you know you talk to people like a Jack Welsh and you talk to different people like a Donald Trump and you talk to people down on the streets running these boutique businesses you talk to people like myself running a research center like no other in the world and uh, what I study water and we were if you cannot you, you cannot have a distraction away from your focus of your mission to be successful without sitting behind the desk doing the business. You That's can't true. be on the run. You can't even be in front of the news media without making sure that everything is going behind it. And you, they're delegating so much work. to, And they go off and it's kind of like when Nancy Pelosi said, well, we'll pass it and we'll see what's in it after we've passed it. Jerry, this is what 's going on with all kinds of businesses today they They go out and do all of this like the casino type activity, and then they wait to see how it'll fall. You win some, you lose some attitude. it doesn 't work that way in business to reach success it 's hard work
3: mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, unfortunately, the media uh, in general, you know, the, the uh, MSNBCs and the Fox News of the world have, have brainwashed the folks into actually believing that there is a difference between the right and the left, and therefore the people, instead of, and I think you can relate to this with your water example that you're referring to, but what I see in my own industry is that many people get so bent out of shape about things that they can't change, and, but at the same time, they don't have a will. They don't have life insurance. They, they don't have a plan. They don't. They don't they have no. They don't have any plan for their kids. They don't know. What, you know they don't know. Well, what stocks they're going to invest in. They have no plan, but they sure know about what happened on Fox News yesterday. Or they sure know.
2: Do you about really what think so the so average so American w- watches that kind of television? I think I could be wrong. I think they're watching the survival shows. I think they're watching the sitcoms. Uh, I could be wrong. And then they're sitting on the, on the Internet doing their relationships with Facebook and more. Do you really think they understand the vocabulary, the understanding of it?
3: Uh, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I, w- I would rather talk to somebody who sits, you know, on some of those bogus uh, websites than somebody who listens to the indoctrination from the mainstream media like Fox News and MSNBC because being misinformed is worse than being uninformed. And now, I'm going to come back on something.
2: I used to advertise on Fox for years, too, um, but others too. But the one thing that we found out with our, our uh, when we were advertising is, and one of the reasons we chose it, is because they give one person comes on discussing one side, and the other person comes on discussing the other side. And we found that our success on advertising on their system gave us more success on the end user than we did if we went to any of the other locations. That is the truth, Jerry. Now, uh, that's my evaluation. But back to evaluating uh, what is going on. How many people do you think in the news media are sitting down behind the desk running a business?
3: Well, a true owned and, uh, business. unfortunately, unfortunately, they're all in a for-profit business, which is really bizarre, considering the media. Is supposed well, to they're be working a...
2: for somebody else's business.
3: Of course, yeah.
2: And um, where I'm coming from with this today, and I, that's why I was really excited to talk to you and your background, is each home, each person should sit down at their desk at home, and and do business in their home as if they're trying to make ends meet. Like the business has to. And where I'm coming from, Jerry, is I will tell you, is when I'll, and I'm going to say something to my audience they've never heard. I started this company with sincere belief that water wasn't looked at as a technology of a future healing benefit and that fresh water could become extinct and our earth cannot survive without fresh water. And we need it to be healthy, we need it to be clean, but we need to use it for our personal benefits other than just drinking it. Uh, it was the stem of the atomic bomb, irrigation canals, and all the reasons that people use it. But then I figured out, my gosh, if we're supposed to live as an organism on this planet Earth with the humidity being the supplier and drinking enough water and the right nutrition, the right sleep, what happened to better understanding of the life in the water to be a healer and save lives beyond the normal and I started a business and when I started that business Jerry I have to sit behind the desk yes I have ran around and yes I've been a guest speaker at Wall Street I've been around this country but struggling and then when the economy hit we had sometimes two hundred thousand dollars a month that wasn't paying because when the economy and it was the bigger companies that weren't paying because they were struggling and then I had to sit behind the desk for sure and do my job. I didn't dare get run around, run around, and, and keep my head with my business plan, keep my head with where it was going with my IP. And I, this is what I'm saying, is our country that I love and I wear a flag every day, and around our research center we have flags. I'm very open to the beauty of this country and living on the planet Earth as a participant of living in the universe with the god's will and all of us together and we're doing this together and i have but the business i couldn't achieve potentially the financial success to be able to contribute because my goals are to not only be successful at healing and teaching we've been in in the medical field and healing and being uh, giving a new outlook on the technology and the benefits of water I couldn't do that, Jerry, without sitting at a desk building a business to do it. And what I'm saying is our country is not doing that. They're not sitting at a desk. They're running all over the place like, like a little mice in a cage, uh, trying to, uh, and they're having to talk to the news media. They're, they're going, and they're, oh, and the other pet peeve I have too, Jerry, is this iPad thing. They're looking down and reading their reports on that rather than sitting in real live meetings. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you disagree, but I think our country can get back together with these 50 states if they all learn to do like governors have to do. They have to sit at a desk or they wouldn't be able to manage the borders of that state.
3: Well, you know, I sit at a desk all day long, too. But, I, you know, again, I mean, I think the problem, the, the, problem, uh, the, the, the root of it has to do a lot with the fact that we, you know, you can sit at a desk and, and do something and not accomplish anything. And I think that's what a lot of us are doing. I mean, I think a lot of us are, are kind of spinning our wheels. We, we're not necessarily creating the value that we should. That's why other nations around the world are rising and that's why we're uh, declining is because we're not creating the value
2: now, what are you comparing to? Which nations are you thinking that bargain hunters need to think about?
3: Well, I mean, you, you can you can pretty much find the, the list of nations by walking into any major retailer and seeing where things made.
2: <laughs> yeah, our majority, friends in China. The,
3: the, you know, just, just look where things Japan, are being produced
2: in India. Um,
3: and, and so, you know, we're we're not really a nation of producers anymore. We're a nation of consumers, and that's that's really the the major problem. I think. Well, we're you know, there
2: was a book written. Have you ever heard of the book Welfare and Strike way back in the 70s? No, I never heard of that. Okay, Welfare and Strike, uh, there was a guy named Ron Cowan, and he was asked by Horton School to do industrial research on what was happening to business in America and what were they going to do about it. So they, when they got all done, he was the, uh, there was one author that was from the past, and there he was the author of the future. And he said this country has over uh, and has cannot get to the shelf any longer to compete against the rest of the world. Labor, he said, the labor has gotten out of hand, and public assistance was achieved to be able to protect labor and that that public assistance being lobbied to protect labor, and all of a sudden everybody said the Congress got the book, the Senate got the book, Wall Street got the book, everybody got the book. And they said, oh, my God, what are we going to do to figure this out so we we can still be in the business of production, manufacturing, and and, and our inventions? And he said, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to get it to do it. Mm. It was already gotten – see, it's like anything else. You've got to compete – and that's the, that's that competitive edge, Jerry. That competitiveness is what makes the world very healthy. But if you, if you cannot, it's kind of like, uh, Phil Knight out of Portland, Oregon with Nike. Uh, he was one of the first people to really go over to China and other con- companies have too, but they went over to China and other countries when there was a strike going on and they couldn't afford to do business or they could have gone out of business because there was no way to do business during the strike. So they started going over to other countries to keep the business alive so they'd still have a business for their employees to have a job while they got off strike. But what happens here is other countries, uh, for us to do business with, we've got to learn. Uh, like some of our forefathers did, how can we all manage to do well together and not one take over more than the other so much, uh, so that everybody is healthy on this planet Earth to be able to do business with one another? I don't think anybody uh, would say, Jerry, that the United States, no, everybody wants to do business in the United States of America with these 50 little states. I call them countries. This is a big deal over here in North America. But uh, back to um, the nation now. The fiscal cliff. You know, the your fiscal book. cliff is just
3: a. How, is just a ha, has,
2: what has been some of the important questions you're getting from people out there about why your evaluations came to what they have? Um, what are some of the questions you get?
3: Well, uh, the most recent question I received, a really interesting one, uh, someone had said. Uh, Jerry, uh, the national debt is $16 trillion, and yet there's only $3 trillion in circulation. How can that be? Um, and I think that's a great question. How can you have a $16 trillion debt when the Federal Reserve has only printed $3 trillion in total? If you were to take all the dollars that printed, that are in circulation. That was part.
2: a good question, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. So if, <laughs> and how do you, put them you all, answer if
3: it? If you put them all in one room, it would equal $3 trillion. And so <laughs> how are you supposed to pay off a $16 trillion debt with only $3 trillion? Well, the answer, of course, is that our money supply actually exists in computers. It, it's not actually tangible, real money. It's part of the crazy society that we live in and part of the reason why we're on the decline. Uh, no, no country has ever surfi- survived uh, with the type of currency that we have for longer than about 40, 45 years. Our our country moved to a paper currency for the first time without any kind of backing from gold or silver or anything back in 1971 whenever Nixon went on the TV, interrupted the, the Bonanza show on August 15th and said, that's it, we're not trading in... Uh, you know, gold for dollars anymore, tough, you know, that's just not, that's, we're not going to do it. And so from that point, 1971 to now, has been about 41 years, and we're on that cusp now of all other empires that have tried to do this without a backing, and we are doing exactly what every other nation did. We're overproducing the currency, we're creating too much. Even this week, we saw Ben Bernanke and the Fed talking about a brand new round of more monetary printing quantitative easing so they're going to be putting out another 45 billion dollars a month uh, into the economy and so we are on that downward slope now for people who are listening you know, they look at that and they say well oh, I, what am i going to do i mean what do what, i just run for the hills or i get canned food no 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 actually There are several solutions that we discuss in the book. In fact, in the book, Bankruptcy of Our Nation, we talk about 21 streams of income that people can create both now and in retirement. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that people can do, but unfortunately, our message is that the time for debate is over and the time to prepare is now. What we often see is that people want to play the blame game you know they they see the Titanic going down and the very first thing they want to do is rush back and see who is driving it well, yeah you know,
2: it's the yeah, sad that, that part doesn't about make, that, yeah. it,
3: doesn't, it doesn't really matter who's driving it what we need yeah. to find out is where's let's the go forward.
2: What is yeah
3: yeah how, where's the lifeboat and how do I get my family on right
2: it? let's just so, go forward
3: right yeah
2: yeah uh, now back to we don't have much time left but you know, do you, when those people ask those questions of you, when you, with your show, do they really understand the question and the answer? Because I truly believe what is happening in our country, that people are going to work every day making ends meet but they're getting, in, they're getting an explosion of information has been off the charts where they really believe they understand. It's kind of like watching enough television shows that have an operation going on in an operating room in a medical facility, or you go over to Wall Street and you see Wall Street in action every day, and you think you understand all this because you see it on TV. Do you really think people really understand what is going on here. I don't think they see how serious it is. I think everybody all over the world is laughing at America about the fact that these people don't understand what they're going through because those countries went through it for year, years and years ago. They've gone through it through different periodically. History has paid their dues in those countries. They're older than we are. I think our people have never experienced since World War II and the Depression of really what it was like. Well,
3: I think other countries are certainly laughing at our politicians as, as the politicians are on a, you know, we're here, what, two weeks, a week and a half before the end of the year, and now all of a sudden they say, oh, yeah, about that fiscal cliff, you know. So I think I think that's kind of well. Uh, they're all in the church- same
2: boat a little bit because well, they're, uh, they've gone through it historically, was- and they're all scrambling for their lives with the, the uh, union, uh, European Union problems that they shouldn't have gotten into, and uh, and. But again, I heard the premier of China one time speak, and he said in the United States is so resilient. I know they're going to figure this out, (laughs) but you probably could say, Jerry, he was hoping they'd figure it out.
3: Well, he's like Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill once said, Americans are great at doing the right thing after they've exhausted all other alternatives, and I think that's exactly right.
2: And and just a second left, but you know something about our politicians, to be fair, they're so dedicated and so committed, and I know many of them personally like you do, but the thing about it is is, they're always trying to do something for the, the voters that they represent to bring these little specialties back, expensive special things back into uh, uh, their states and their locations or into the people that voted them in. I think that's got to stop until we get out of this crisis, Jerry. I think they've got to decide, let's go to work, and everybody has to give up something, including the people who voted you in
3: well it, that that should have started back whenever george w bush decided to start bombing countries whenever he did instead of you know getting up and saying hey you know go to disney world everybody go spend money he should have said like we did back in the 1940s we're going to, to require sacrifice you know we can't pay for this war we we we're going to have to either borrow from china or we're going to have to have you the american people help us wage this war and so there has been no sacrifice and no asking of sacrifice upon the part of the American people. Back in World War II, you know, they rationed tires, they rationed gasoline, they even rationed housing materials. Uh, you know, there was a that, that greatest generation as they've been called. They sacrificed something. Yeah. But today, you know, ask ask somebody if they think we're at war, and you know, they maybe, I mean I guess we are probably bombing somebody. How much does Afghanistan cost? Four billion dollars a week. Well, who's paying for that? China and the Federal Reserve. Again, uh, another sign of our bankruptcy.
2: And before you go today, I think we need to bring an attention to what happened in uh, Newtown, Connecticut. I've been I've been through there, and uh, I I think our hearts, Jerry, and yours probably, of course, go out to our country and and what has happened, you know, in our country. The frustrations of life and what we're all trying to achieve and there's no country in the world that's more generous and concerning and giving up their lives to help other human beings. Well, I want to thank you for being on, Jerry.
3: Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thank I you wish you so well with
2: you your book, and uh, don't forget to write another one. <laughs>
3: I sure will. And okay. if anybody wants to find a copy, it's on our website at ftmdaily.com.
2: Okay, well, thank you, and you have a very ha- nice holiday season with that new baby. And I've always said, Jerry, there's no such thing. Every child is a perfect child. That's why this thing in Newtown is a very heavy weight. There's no such thing. Every child is a perfect child all over the world. You have a nice day, Jerry, and you tell your family hello. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, I think, you know, we're out of time, but I want you to embrace your life today and every day because life is that special moment. And what happened in Newtown and at uh, this elementary school, is absolutely uh, at the Sandy Hook school, is something that all of us need to think about, and th- reach out with each other and give everybody a hug, give this planet a hug, and because we're all in this together, it's not just you and me there, it's everybody together, all over the world. I want to thank you for listening. This has been a special time. I really enjoyed. Our guest, Jerry, and I want to thank Polly Featherton for getting my program person, for getting Jerry. We have many more shows coming up that are going to be exciting and and excellent shows for you to learn. I want you to know that this has been a very, I want you to have a very special day, a very special holiday season, and Merry Christmas to those who want to have that Merry Christmas. But the holiday is here, and let's have a hug, and we wish you something very special. But I want you to be well Your health is more important to me and this show than anything else. Thank you for
1: listening. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com.